I'll walk you guys through the scripture reading today. And it's uh, Matthew 6, uh, verses 5 through 15. So please join me. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have not received their reward. But when you go pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither then will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good morning. It's good to be here um, with all of you. First of all, how are we talking about Christmas already? That seems ridiculous to me. Oh my goodness. I want to thank our worship team because they come here early and they are all volunteers. So can we just give them a little round of applause? I just, I deeply appreciate them coming here and practicing and, and just leading us into God's presence um, with music. So I, I'm just super grateful for all of you this morning. And also want to say, before we get into the message, um, I'm just always mindful that we all come to this place with different things in the back of our heads, right? Different burdens that we carry, different joys that we carry, and we come to this place together. Um, and I just hope that even now you can take a breath and remember that the God who created the universe loves you. And the God who created everything knows what you're going through, knows what you're feeling, and, and is with you, does love you, and does want to see healing and hope in your life. And I, I just I hope you can take a breath and get a sense that wherever you're at, God is with us this morning. And this God is a God of grace and of love and of mercy. Amen? Would you pray with me? God, we are simply grateful for you, for your love, for your care, and for your mercy. And God, I, I just simply ask that as we look at the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that Jesus taught us, that we could catch a, just a deeper glimpse of prayer and, and of you, and that this prayer could just be a tool to connect us to you, God. So God, would you show us how to pray this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get into the Lord's Prayer that we're going to look at this morning, I just took a week in Los Angeles um, studying prayer, uh, prayer and formation, um, and how we can really pursue union with God in all kinds of different ways, but especially in prayer. And as I was kind of in this class hearing like amazing teaching around what formation is, um, my mind kept kind of wandering back to Regent, to this community, and kept kind of wondering and thinking and reflecting on how God is working in us as a community? How does God work now and how, how would God want to work into the future to grow us and mold us um, into something more like Christ together? 
but I just couldn't help it. My mind kind of, kind of coming back um, to all of us, to all of you and us together um, with this faith that God is moving, that God is moving in our midst, that God is here, that God is speaking to us, um, and that God can continue to mold us to be more like Christ together. And I actually came upon this definition of spiritual formation. It's very similar to one I read a few weeks ago, but I stumbled upon it, and it just moved me thinking about, about regen. And here's kind of one definition of formation. Spiritual formation is our continuing response to the reality of God's grace, shaping us into the likeness of Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit in the community of faith for the glory of God and for the sake of the world. I want to read that again. Spiritual formation is our continuing response to the reality of God's grace, shaping us into the likeness of Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit in the community of faith for the glory of God and for the sake of the world. It starts with God's grace. Amen? Not with us. Not with us trying or us yearning. It starts with God's grace. God's love starts everything. Starts the process. And then there is just how do we respond to God's grace? How do we respond to the outpouring of grace that God gives to us? That we, where we can let the Spirit mold us in community. Right for God's glory and, and even for other people. We are all being formed somehow. We are all being formed into something. And something is forming us, right? Whether it's what we read or what we hear or our friends, messages we hear, something is forming us. We, we are molding into something as we grow older. And the hope is that we can be molded most of all by the Spirit of God, in our lives, in our soul, that God's grace, God's spirit, and the community of God, right, working together, that we can grow more into the image of Christ. Amen? Now, if I was to ask you, if I was to give you a pen and paper and say, write down three things that you think are really important about your own formation into the image of Christ, or, or if I just said, write three things that you think are really important in the Christian life, Christian growth, I'm pretty sure everybody here would have something about prayer, right? Like, I'm pretty sure everybody would say prayer in there somewhere. Like, if I wouldn't ask Sunday school class, hey, what's important about being a Christian? I'm pretty sure all the little kids would probably say somewhere in there, like, something about prayer. Like, we know that this idea of prayer and the reality, the practice of prayer is so integral to us connecting to God, to being with God to pursuing a, a union with God, fellowship with God. And if we are honest, for most of us, many of us, there are times when prayer is confusing or even overwhelming. In, in one of the kind of great books about prayer, Richard Foster writes that there are 21 different biblical ways to pray, which is really cool and a bit overwhelming. That there's all these different ways that are biblical and are good to pray to God. And I actually want to read you a couple quotes from a class I was in this week about prayer that moved me. One of them is that prayer is a huge field we get to run around in for the rest of our lives. 
That prayer is this big, beautiful field, so many ways to pray. And can we see it as, I get to run around in this field of prayer my whole life, like learning how to pray, learning how to talk to God. Uh, another quote from this class was, the best way to learn to pray is to pray. So the best way to learn to pray is not to sit there and hear me talk about the Lord's Prayer. Like, forget that part. I mean, listen, please. But then it's like, can we actually try it out, right? We can sit here, and I, I could go on for hours and hours about the Lord's Prayer. But then, can we actually have that moment where we earnestly, vulnerably pray the Lord's Prayer to God and practice it and see how it goes and see how God moves in our lives? Uh, one more quote, which, which I thought was hilarious and true for many of us, is, what is the best way to make someone feel guilty in a church? That is to ask them about their prayer life. So for many of us, like we know prayer is this big, beautiful, important thing. But for so many of us, once we start thinking about our prayer life or talking about our prayer life, there's a part of us that feels like we haven't measured up. Maybe it's just me, but I'm there. And there's this part of us that's like, oh, I know I haven't prayed enough, or I don't pray diligently, or I, I haven't prayed in all the 21 ways. Like, I, I'm not, like, I haven't arrived in prayer. None of us have arrived to be perfect prayer people. But could we see it as God is inviting us to talk to him, like a loving father, like a loving parent who wants us to talk to him, and it's okay if we stumble. For those of you who have ever had, like, a five-year-old child, and your child wants to talk to you, if your child says it wrong, are you still excited your child talked to you? Are you still grateful your child came to you, right, and gave you a hug and mumbled something that was earnest? Yes, you are, right? And, and God is glad when we kind of stumble forward learning how to talk to God in, in an earnest and real way. So this morning, we look at the Lord's Prayer and hopefully we can just catch a glimpse of this good God and how this prayer could help us pray. Last week we talked about this portion of Matthew 6. Jesus talks about three things about secrecy. He talks about doing good things in secret. So he talks about alms, giving alms, and then prayer, and then fasting. But the prayer section gets much, much larger than the first section and the bottom section. Jesus ends up teaching his disciples, like, like okay, let me just tell you. Here, here's a way. Let, let me show you how to pray. So I want to read this whole section again, and would you just kind of pause and let God speak to you? It's on the screen, starting in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So the first point about prayer, and I, I made it in a small way last week, is that to remember prayer is not about impressing other people. It's not about how cool you pray or how good you pray or how well you can weave beautiful phrases into your prayer. God does not care about that, which is a relief to some of us. God does not care if you're good at using the good words to pray well. And so Jesus says, go hide away when you pray. Like, hide somewhere where nobody's around and talk to God. And don't use a bunch of empty words. More words don't make it a better prayer. Really, more words don't make it a better prayer. And then Jesus makes this interesting and obvious point. Like, listen, more words don't make it better. The Father already knows what you need before you ask him. That doesn't mean we can't pray with passion, right? It doesn't mean we can't seek the face of God, right, with the words that we need, but it just means God already knows. You don't have to impress him. You don't have to yell and scream. God hears you already. I want to tell a story, an old story from 1 Kings 18 to kind of illustrate how we think about prayer, I think, a little bit sometimes. There's an ancient story in 1 Kings 18. It's a really fascinating story, and it's God's prophet Elijah, and God's prophet Elijah basically gets in a massive prayer battle of sorts. Almost feels like a TV show. There's like a prayer battle. It's like Elijah versus the prophets of Baal, okay? And this is going on and on in these chapters in 1 Kings massive, like, argument, you know, fight, prayer battle goes on. Elijah says, okay, we each get a bull, put him down here on these altars. I'm going to pray to the real God to bring fire down. You go ahead and pray to your God first and see if fire can come down. So these prophets of Baal are praying and yelling and praying and praying and yelling, and it's going on. And then Elijah basically smack talks them in, in a really, I think it's hilarious way. Elijah says, Maybe your God's on a journey. Maybe your God's going to the bathroom. Or maybe your God's busy. I don't really know, but it's like it's not working. This is like the ultimate like, smack talk. Maybe your God is relieving himself. I don't know, but like nothing's happening to you guys. And then it says, I find that part funny, but the next part, not funny at all. It says that the prophets started slashing themselves with swords, as was their custom. It actually includes, as was their custom. So some primitive cultures, ancient cultures, thought we have to get God's attention, right? So there has to be some big way to get God's attention so that God will care about us and listen to us. And their way was to slash themselves with swords. Now, I am guessing that most of you don't practice that. But I am guessing that we have moments where we feel like, man, how can I get God's attention? Right? Is there a dramatic thing or, or a special phrase where I can get God's attention on me? But the scripture teaches that God is already with us. That God loves you and God hears you. Already. You don't have to yell or scream or use swords or anything like that. God hears you. Even if you don't feel like he does, God hears you. So let's dig into this prayer for a few minutes. And I really want to just teach through it, but then have a couple moments together where we actually pray the Lord's Prayer together, kind of quietly and in a sacred way. 
Would you stand with me for a minute just, uh, just to honor this prayer? I want to pray it together. And I'm asking you to stand because can we take a moment and think about the fact we're talking about prayer. This is the actual prayer that Jesus taught people. Like, can you just like for a moment step back and think about prayer and think when disciples were confused, Jesus said, okay, here is the way. And they wrote it down. And we get to see, like, this is the way that Jesus taught people to pray. So I'm going to lead us through this. And would you actually pray, like, speak out loud this prayer? You can kind of follow my cadence. And let's pray this together, and then we'll look at it some more. Okay, here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thanks. Why don't you have a seat? I'm going to speak briefly through each point. But again, who cares if I have good stories for each point? What I hope is, that we get a glimpse of this beautiful prayer of Jesus and that we can pray it and that perhaps this is something we could integrate into our lives this week. So the first line, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, the very first word is our. It doesn't say my Father. It says our Father. So even if we are praying alone in our closet, we are taught this is a prayer for all God's people. This is a prayer for all of us. Our Father. God, not just mine, but God, you're our Father. There's a communal element right in the beginning of this prayer. Like along with our brothers and sisters, we, we pray this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Many translations use the word holy, which is probably a little more familiar to us. But at the beginning of the prayer, we pay our respect to the God who is holy. We honor the God who is holy, the God who is special, who is beautiful, who is sacred, who is so good. We pause and we say, God, you, you are holy. There's an old worship song that you've probably heard, I just popped into my head from my way old youth pastor days. We used to sing over and over when I was a youth pastor. I looked it up. It's by, oh, I just forgot. It's called God of Wonders. You probably heard it. But I just thought of this phrase, you are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy, Lord of heaven and earth. So the beginning of prayer of a way to pray is, is to pause for a moment and to remember to respect that God is holy, that God is good, that God is sacred, that God is awesome and amazing. So we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then the next point, the next phrase is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. You know what Jesus talked about a lot of the time, if you flip through the Gospels, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, like a lot. Jesus told stories about the kingdom of God is like this. Jesus said the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is near. 
The kingdom of God is here. It's breaking out all around us. The kingdom of God is the reign of God on earth. And your kingdom come, your will be done ties this idea of the kingdom of God or the reign of God on earth with God's will being done on earth. And I want to point something out that is obvious. Jesus doesn't say, God, get me off this stupid earth and into heaven so I can leave like right now. Jesus says, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray, God, would your will be done on earth right now as it is in heaven. And when we pray this, we can think about all the ways that God's kingdom is not here right now, all the ways that God's will is not being done right now, and say, God, I I think of all these things, right, in my city, in my neighborhood, in my family, in our country, in our world, and I say, God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in all of these things, both in the world and in my own life, in my own house, my own apartment, may your will be done. And then verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Just a little later in Matthew, Jesus gives a beautiful teaching about trusting God for material possessions. And he talks about trusting because, you know, God takes care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, and God's going to take care of you. You're, you're going to have enough. But this prayer, give us today our daily bread, is interesting because it's, it's just, God, give me enough bread for today. God, can you just give me enough today? doesn't say, God, can you make my retirement account really, really big? (laughs) Or like, God, can I win the lottery? Or like, God, you know, like, can I have all this? You know, can my house be perfect? Like, no, it's just, God, can you give me the bread I need for today? Now, there's nothing wrong because in other parts of scripture, we are taught to pray for big things, right? To pray for dramatic things. That's okay. I was thinking about this scripture, and I thought, it's okay for me to pray that God would somehow pay for my kid's college. Like, I do pray for that too, okay? But in this prayer, there's something, something beautiful and meaningful of Jesus saying, just pray, God, would you give me the bread I need for today? That's what I need. The next line is, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Some translations say, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Like so much of Jesus' teaching, this little line phrase is so simple and yet so profound for real life, isn't it? That we come to God and say, God, I sinned. I have sinned. I will sin. I have messed up. I have missed the mark. I have failed you. I have fallen down. God, would you forgive me? And connected to that, and God, I I forgive those other people who are sinning against me. There's this correlation together in this passage, which which could be a much longer study to to work through what Jesus is saying here about our forgiveness and our forgiveness of others. But it is tied together, right? It's tied together in this passage in a way you can't deny, of us accepting God's forgiveness And us seeing that, like believing in that, knowing that, and then us being able to forgive other people. And there is something in that when we have a real understanding of how much God forgives us, 
when we really accept God's forgiveness in a deep, deep way for every thought we've had, everything we've done, we can then really forgive other humans who have sinned against us. We can forgive them. We can forgive their faults, their flaws, their pride, right, their ego, their mistakes, as we accept God's forgiveness deep in our heart. But this is a part of daily prayer, of saying, God, forgive my sins. The good thing about this prayer, and again, this is simple, and you know this, but when we say, God, forgive my sins, we know that God forgives us. Amen? Amen? This is really important. <laughs> I don't want a half amen, like, like really amen. It is good that we serve a God, right? We worship a God. We study a God who is a God of forgiveness, a God who says, when you come to me and ask for forgiveness, right, when you turn to me and run to me, I will forgive you, right? When you turn and you repent and you run to me, I offer mercy and grace and forgiveness. Like, we, we have to keep reminding ourselves of that and keep going and saying, God, forgive me, and God, thank you that you forgive me, because I have messed up again. And that's tied into this last line, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Each one of us in this room has a particular set of ways in which we are tempted. Now, sure, we have some common ways we're tempted, right? There might be some ways, well, we're all tempted by greed, or we're all tempted by pride, we're all tempted by certain things, or to trust other things but God. And then there's also the reality is, we each have a God-given personality in a history and a background and a family lineage, right? And we have certain ways in which we are tempted, in which we are tempted to sin, in which we are, are tempted to pursue evil. We each have a shadow side, you could say, right? A part of us that is susceptible in particular ways to be distracted from God, and to, to start walking down a path that leads to destruction. So there's a simple prayer. Acknowledging that we're all tempted. Jesus was tempted. And saying, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, I don't want to be around the evil. And I know I'm going to be tempted. So God, when this temptation comes, could you lead me away? Could you lead me away from the evil? I don't want to fall into that again. So God, help me. This is a, a really honest prayer, right? To ask for forgiveness and then to say, God, help me from the ways that I am tempted today because I'm going to be tempted. And I bet if you're honest with yourself, even now you could start to think in your head, here's the ways I may be tempted this week, right? Here are some of the things I know I might do. Here are some of the things I have been struggling with. And even this morning to say, God, help me with this. God, keep me from that temptation, that's the whole thing. It's pretty simple, but incredibly profound. Jesus is so efficient with words, right? It's like, here's this prayer, but if you really pray it, if you really unpack it, if you're really honest with it, such a vulnerable, beautiful prayer to God. And so again, I, I want to ask you this question, or just put this thought in your mind that we're looking at it this morning. We're going to pray it again together. But my hope is that you could consider, even in this moment, how could I integrate this prayer into my daily life? 
Like, could I pray this prayer with, with my family, with, with my friends? Could I pray it in the morning? Could I pray it at lunchtime? Um, this does not take you an hour, right? But could I pause? Could I pause and integrate the Lord's Prayer into my actual life where I can pray this to God and have a moment and pray through this? So I'm going to first just read through the Lord's Prayer kind of slowly. And what I'm going to invite you to do is to prayerfully, and you might just call it prayer actually, but to really just take a moment and kind of meditate, pray, just ponder each part of this prayer and, and the particular ways that, that it hits you and ways you need to pray for each one of these things. So I'm actually just going to read it really slowly and give a minute or two between each one for you to pause and to actually pray or maybe just to start contemplating, reflecting on what each one of these things, how they hit you. So if you could just maybe get comfortable, close your eyes if that's going to help you. I'm going to read through this slowly. It's okay if you're uncomfortable in the silence. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And God, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
Amen. You know, I'm struck even praying through this that there's parts of this prayer that I think we do, most of us churches do this, like saying that God is holy. Like we normally sing about that in our worship services. Um, one of the things that, you know, that the Catholic church practices, that the Protestant church doesn't usually, is the idea of confession, that of having a space together where we take a few moments and actually pause and confess to God and ask God for forgiveness. But there is a practice laid out here of having a time in our days or a time together or a time of silence together where we actually pause and confess to God and, and say, God, would you forgive me? And say, God, thank you that I'm forgiven. And God, please keep me from evil. So we're going to close in a moment. So worship team, if you want to get ready in a moment. But I actually, um, I know we're praying this prayer a lot. Um, I'm hoping you'll have it like really in your head, okay? By the time you leave this morning, I'm hoping the, the Lord's Prayer is seared inside your brain. So could we stand one more time just out of honor for this prayer? I know that's a lot of standing and sitting during a sermon for us. But if you would let me kind of lead and, and say this out loud or, or whisper it or whatever you want to do. And I'm going to actually lead us pretty slowly this time, okay? Um, and really pray through this one more time. And if, if things strike you, these might be things to, to pray about right today or this week or with your family or with your home group, things that come out to you. But let us pray one more time and then we'll go into a time of, of worship through music. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So as we move into a time of worship and communion, you know, normally we, we need some space to reflect before we take communion. But actually, Stephanie, if you want to help us out, and if you need some communion elements, Stephanie has a few, and we can get you some quickly. There's a couple of hands here. But I feel like the praying through the Lord's Prayer actually is a good way to prepare for communion because we have paused and considered our sins, right? We have paused and said, God, forgive us. We have paused and been grateful for God's goodness. But as we prepare to take communion, and, and this morning I want us to just take it on your own timing as we prepare for worship. I, I do want to just say for a moment, you know, we have these handy little plastic things, right? Containers, which I'm grateful for, right? It, it's, it's a good way, efficient way to do it right now, and it works, and I'm grateful for these. But we have this, you know, this little plastic thing, and can we pause for a moment and remember that this little container, that this little wafer thing represents the body of Christ, that was broken for us. Like, can, can we pause for a minute and remember that this juice in here represents the blood of Christ that was shed for us so that we can be forgiven, right? So that we can pray this prayer about forgiveness and know that we are forgiven because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So I want to invite you just even to wait a moment to consider the weight of this and to consider the holiness of the God, to consider the goodness of the sacrifice of Jesus. And then whenever you're ready as we're singing, um, go ahead and partake.